Lord Vader. You may take Captain Solo to Jabba the Hutt after I have Skywalker. He's no good to me, dead. My fellow Mighty Mandos, Mevar Tigar. Welcome to the seventh action-packed episode of Mandovision, Nargai Tom. And thank you so much for checking out this small, independent Star Wars podcast. We are going back into season one of The Mandalorian on Disney Plus and, and, and re-examining and re-reviewing each episode as we work our way towards the debut of season two of The Mandalorian on October 30th. It's it's very exciting. Very good stuff. We can't wait for the Season 2 of The Mandalorian. Before we get into this episode further, please make sure you are following us on social media, at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you are liking the show, subscribing the show, sharing it with all your friends and family, and letting them know that uh, we're doing a pretty darn good job of covering The Mandalorian and all things Star Wars here on The Mando Vision Podcast. Alright, so this week, uh, what we have for you today is... Um, Initially, I took a bit of a pause in the recapping of each episode of The Mandalorian because after the Gunslinger episode, particularly the end of the Gunslinger episode with the cape and the boots and the the illusion, the 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 a hint of another Mandalorian, a Mandalorian that perhaps we had just seen, um, well, not just seen, but we had thought we had last seen on Tatooine. You know, stoked the, the the fan fires that perhaps this was the imminent return of Boba Fett to the main Star Wars canon after his, um, you know, inglorious demise in in at the end of Return of, or I'm sorry, at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, uh, as he was dispatched by a gaffy stick from Han Solo to the back. Um, why I did this episode, why I thought it was important, was because for fans like me, for fans my age who grew up with what is now considered um, old canon, to be considered, uh, you know, you, you'll see it now on, on the books. It'll have that, that gold banner on the top. It's this, uh, Legends, Star Wars Legends. Um, at, at one point, that was our main continuity, the Star Wars Expanded Universe continuity that was uh, that existed in, in comic books, in movies, in role-playing games, in video games, uh, prior to Disney's acquisition of Lucasfilm. And then for a lot of us fans who, uh, when we, you know, before, long before the prequels came out, long before the special editions came out, all we had were the Star Wars comic books and, 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 and novels and, 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 again, video game materials. This was the only way the Star Wars universe was, was surviving to, to us dedicated fans while there was no new films or TV shows or any of that stuff. Long before the TV shows and definitely before, before the new batch of movies that were, were coming out. Uh, so I thought it was important to do this episode that is titled The Boba Fett Debate uh, because, again, for fans like myself who are old, <laughs> who grew up with Star Wars as, as an intricate part of our childhood, uh, we, we I think 
for a lot of us, one of uh, one of the main reasons why we were so interested in the Mandalorian TV series, uh, you know, as those first images were coming out, as we were getting excited for the show to drop as as the first thing on Disney Plus, this new streaming channel, and and the Mandalorian, uh, this 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 mysterious, exciting uh, a race of, of of beings and characters from the Star Wars universe would be the linchpin of, of, of Disney Plus, the, the, the way to kick off this whole new service that Disney was doing. And we were finally going to get to explore something that, again, was, was mysterious and unknown uh, and, and, and just rumors and whispers and, and things like, this is what Mandalorians are and this is what Mandalorians are. And, again, uh, for people my age, we came from the expanded universe. We came from old canon that no longer counted. And in that old canon... Boba Fett was our our, our uh, a cultural icon for what a Mandalorian was at that point in 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 Star Wars uh, mythology. You know, he was what a Mandalorian looked like, and to you know, to the best of our knowledge, uh, he was the best representation of the Mandalorian people. Well, it turns out that's not necessarily the case. You know, uh, as you know, if I've, I've been encouraging people for a long time now. Uh, on this podcast, Mandavision, and on my other podcast, the, the, the TomCast podcast, watching Star Wars The Clone Wars, watching Star Wars Rebels, really uh, expands the mythology of, of these people, of their culture, of their history. Uh, but the big delineation point is that after Disney acquired Lucasfilm, the old canon went away, and that, that's why the, the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels are so important to not only the Mandalorian, but to Boba Fett himself, and who and what we think he is, and what he supposedly represents. Again, for people my set my age, it, this is a little complicated, because we have two sets of Star Wars mythology we have to juggle. The one that counts, but the one that we grew... The one that, the one that no longer counts is the one that we probably remember the most. The one that does count is the one that maybe we didn't we, we kind of slept on because we weren't watching Star Wars The Clone Wars and we weren't watching Star Wars Rebels. So there's a little bit of, of maybe misunderstanding around Boba Fett. And what this episode of the podcast was designed to do initially was to help uh, provide a little clarity into Boba Fett's status prior to Disney and then post his status with Disney, which post Disney, we don't know much about the whereabouts of Boba Fett. Which is why, again, for a person my age who grew up with that expanded universe mythology, it was a bit of a kick in the nuts to have these amazing Boba Fett stories taken away from us. His connection to the Mandalorian people taken away from us. Uh, the, the great, I've, I've mentioned before the great works of Karen Travis uh, in, in, in defining and expanding and exploring the Mandalorian culture and, and Boba Fett's uh, initially... Uh, uh, loose connection to them and how he becomes a sort of re you know adopted child of the Mandalore people because he he starts off as sort of a wayward Mandalorian and though his reintroduction reintegration to their society his eventual elevation to the role the title of Mandalore the the king the uh, the the leader of all of the Mandalorian clans that whole th all that stuff is phenomenally well done well executed well written it, it's 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 top notch material but it was brushed to the side with Disney's acquisition of Star Wars, and they're wanting to clear the decks for, for new series and new 
explorations of the characters and, and, and things of this nature. And I, 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 I uh, explain this, I document this, I talked more about this in, in a little bit more detail in the episode you're about to listen to. Again, if you're a new Star Wars fan, if you're new to... If all you know is the Clone Wars and Rebels and, and the films, you're, you're good to go. <laughs> you don't have to worry about anything to do with Boba Fett other than he's a guy who was wearing Mandalorian armor. And I guess that's the point of, of this episode is, is to, to tell us old fans, us old folks, who thought Boba Fett was a Mandalorian, not so fast, my friends. Boba Fett, not necessarily a Mandalorian, at least not in the sense that we are becoming accustomed to through the new continuity, through the new canon that is The Mandalorian on Disney+. So I, I want you guys to listen to this episode. It's it's a it's a quick one. It's really really fast, and I'll listen. I'll catch you guys up on the other end, guys and gals. I should say. Should try to get better about that, not genderizing everything that I say. I hope everyone listens to the episode again. It's quick. It's fast. Uh, but I think I do. I think I make a pretty good uh, presentation of the facts as far as as old old canon, new canon. And where Boba Fett kind of falls in the middle of it, and why the Mandalorian series is is uh, so rife with potential to explore this character in in new ways that we hadn't thought of before. All right, so I'm going to plug the episode in now. There, uh, I will not interrupt this episode at all. I will just catch up with everybody on the other side. All right, so strap on your buckets. Here we go. The Boba Fett debate. Oh, and by the way, another episode recorded during during December. Christmas time, Christmas music will play. That's just how it is. That's how we roll on the TomCast podcast and probably how we're going to roll on Mid-Division 2 uh, once we get into the holiday season. So again, strap on your buckets. Here we go. Captain Solo in the cargo hold. What'd you bring your dad here for? He's cool. He's into the whole gaming culture. Nice poster. Oh, well, are you a big fan of the fat? No. So he's more of a Star Wars guy. Uh, did he Star Wars kidding. guy. Who is this man? He's Christmas. Welcome to issue 61 of 3 Zine Presents, the TomCast Popcast, also known as Popcast. I am your loving Yuletide host. My name is Tom. Please follow the show on the social medias at TomCast underscore Popcast on Twitter and at the TomCast underscore Popcast on Instagram. You can email the show at TomCastPopcast at gmail.com. And finally, you can join Pophead Nation at patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopcast or you can join Pop Edition for as little as a dollar a month. Special thanks to our current Patreons, the Aspen Hill Chody and the Squidmaster General Brian Broussard. 
Finally, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform it is that you listen to our excellent show on. And, you know, give us a five-star review if you're feeling up for it. So I apologize. My exuberance that I normally have on this podcast is a little tampered, a little tampered down, a little, t- little tempered tonight, if you will. It's, uh, it's late. I'm doing this at 10 o'clock at night. My wife is in the next room trying to sleep, so I cannot... Uh, rant and rave at the volumes that I am normally accustomed to ranting and raving at. But we're going to do the best we can. You know, I wanted to get this show out to you guys. Life gets in the way sometimes. It's uh, a final week's final week has kicked off at San Diego State. So things are a little hectic. And I had all kinds of technical problems getting this episode even off the ground. I tried to record it six hours ago, but the goddamn garage band program was giving me all kinds of problems. So I slapped it across the face, and we finally got this son of a bitch to work correctly. And we're going to talk about what I kind of illuminated, or what I kind of hinted at in the tail end of last week's Mandalorian review. Uh, we need to have a conversation about Boba Fett. And uh, for some folks, it's going to be a hard conversation. For me, it's going to be a hard conversation. But it is uh, vital that we have this conversation. All right, so that's what we're going to do today. This is this is the supplemental Boba Fett debate episode. All right, so where, where to begin? I, I, I guess I'll just cut to the chase right off the bat. Despite what you all think you may know, I'm here to, to break unfortunate news that just because you think Boba Fett is the reason why you're so interested and invested in The Mandalorian. Technically, you are wrong. Boba Fett is not Mandalorian. But he was at one point. And I'd like to... That's basically what this show's about. This is this is me explaining the lunacy of Star Wars continuity and canon. And so, yeah, we're going we're gonna to deep dive on some nerdy things. But hopefully through these nerdy things, you get a better appreciation and understanding of where The Mandalorian as a show may go and a a better understanding of Boba Fett as a character on his own as well. So I hope to be able to provide a little illumination in that front. And uh, if not, I mean, we can just sing Christmas songs. It's, It's okay. It's December 10th. We'll just sing Christmas carols with each other. Now, fuck it, let's talk about Star Wars. All right, let's get into it. Here we go. So to start this journey, we have to go a little bit back in time to that that dark era between 1984 and 1999, basically, when when Star Wars wasn't a thing anymore. And and, and the, those of us who were the, the dedicated, the, the, the true believers that Star Wars was still the way, you know, we, we, we lived with comic books and, and graphic novels and role-playing game items. I'm sorry, I can't think of the name. Role-playing game supplements, basically, that uh, that provided more story, more illumination on, on the galaxy far, far away that we all loved so much. And within the, within the confines of that expanded Star Wars universe, we got to know a little bit more about the mystery man, Boba Fett. Uh, of of particular interest was the Dark Horse comic series, Dark Empire, which showed 
Boba Fett had escaped from the Sarlacc pit and was still after Han Solo after all this time. And uh, that was one of the things that kind of fired the imagination of the fan base. It was like, oh my God, wait a second. This expanded universe is going to do all kinds of cool stuff. So Dark Horse Comics, when they kicked that series off, and I think that was 91 or 92, really got people excited because they brought back a fan-favorite character who, I mean, let's be honest, Boba Fett is the reason why we're interested in The Mandalorian. But all things considered, in the, in the original trilogy, in, in episodes 4, 5, and 6, Boba Fett was on screen for less than five minutes, and I think he spoke less than a dozen words. So, you know, it, it's all about the look and the way the lines were delivered, and that's what got everybody excited. So we were a little bummed when, when, when our Man of Mystery was so easily dispatched in Return of the Jedi. Uh, so seeing him brought back to the pages of the Dark Horse comic was uh, invigorating. And it, there would be a slow exploration of Boba Fett in this time period where, where there were no new movies. And yeah, we were definitely given the portrayal that he was a Mandalorian. Like that was, that was the context for the character's history. And we started to get, we, you know, again, they kept it mysterious. They didn't give us a tons of details. They didn't go into a full explanation of anything. They didn't go into full origin stories or anything like that. Uh, and uh, very famously, one of his, one of his most famous stories in this period was um, w- was Boba Fett tracking down a character named Jodo Cast who had been impersonating him and uh, leading people to believe false origins for Boba Fett. So Boba Fett tracks down Jodo Cast and eventually kills him. Uh, again, Jodo Cast is a character wearing very similar armor to Boba Fett, and it it, it helped kind of clear the decks from from some of the the history that had popped up in the Star Wars comic strips and and the like the late run of Marvel comics and things like that. So it helped keep the mystery of the Mandalores and Boba Fett intact. Then something happened. George Lucas announced the prequel trilogy which we were all excited about because uh, I think the first thing on all of our minds who were invested in Star Wars and were paying attention was the Clone Wars. What Obi-Wan had referenced to Luke Skywalker in his little hut in Tatooine. And that, uh, you know, Luke believed his father to be a navigator on a spice freighter. And, and, and Obi-Wan's like, that's not what really happened. That's what your uncle told you. And uh, we find out that Anakin Skywalker is a great warrior in the, in the Clone Wars. What the fuck does that mean? I mean, that's one of those mysteries that's embedded in the first Star Wars movies where you're like, wait, tell me more about this. I want to know more about this. But we didn't know more about this. But through, whether it was short stories in in the Star Wars fan magazines or whether it was through the role-playing game supplemental materials, a, a lot of fans became clued in that the Mandalorians were part of the Clone Wars, were a big part of this, at least in this expanded universe kind of sense you know like this was material not from george lucas directly but this was people who had star wars licenses attempting to fill in some blanks to a certain extent like they couldn't do deep dives on on past history of of characters you couldn't really talk about that period you could allude to it and one of the things that happened was in the star wars role-playing game they alluded to the fact that the star that the clone wars was a conflict between the jedi and the mandalorians so oh (laughs) 
disappointment may not be the may, may be too strong of a word, but people were a little upset that the Mandalorians did not play a bigger part in what ended up being Attack of the Clones. Um, uh, Lucas opted to do a story that was that involved the Mandalorians. That they they were definitely a key ingredient to the Clone War recipe in a in in a sense. And I'm going to explain that too. We, I got to be careful here because there's a lot to have to that's intertwined and we got to kind of pull some threads to unwrap some of this stuff together. And that's going to be a little tricky. So I'm going to try and do that as best I can. Okay. So episode two comes out and we meet Django Fett and we see that Django is the key to the clone army for the Republic. And we, just like when we see Boba Fett, we assume that Django is also a Mandalorian. At this time, Lucasfilm is still in charge of Lucasfilm. There's no Disney overlords at this point. There is a, a entire canon, an entire history of expanded universe materials that support this history that existed prior to the prequel movies being released. So seeing Jango Fett, finding out that Boba Fett is a clone of Jango, throws a little bit of a monkey wrench into things, but we still are led to believe that there is that that Django and Boba by extension are Mandalorians. And the series that I referenced prior to this to this episode, uh, gosh, way back when, and I think it was the first episode of the Mandalorian that I mentioned the Karen Travis series, plays up to this fact. They sort of highlight the fact that Django is something of an exile from the main Mandalorian culture. He was uh, born on a planet, Concordia, uh, Concordon, a, a, a planet within a moon of the Mandalorian system, I do believe. And th thus, he is a Mandalorian by that extent, but not so much in the sense of being born on Mandalore. Now, we've talked about this. Is Mandalore people? Is Mandalore culture? At this point, in the Star Wars universe, we don't know. A couple of years later, we find out that Mandalore is much more of a culture, much more of, of a, a, a way of living, a way of life, as opposed to uh, being born into blood, being born on a planet, as it, as it were. But like I said, Jango's a bit of an exile. He doesn't buy into their ways. He goes off and becomes a bounty hunter. And by extension, his son slash clone, Boba, is much the same way. Uh, after Django's death, Boba becomes... Boba follows the path that his father laid before him. He doesn't go running back to Mandalore. He does not go back to join one of the clans. And that is where we run, start running into a little trouble. Um, in that Karen Travis series, where, he, where she chronicles... Uh, the clones from escaping their time in the clone army to becoming full-fledged Mandalores, uh, we find out that Boba Fett is, is something of a, of a wayward son amongst the Mandalores. And eventually he will become... He, he comes back to the fold. He's brought back into the fold of the Mandalorians, eventually to rise to the title, the head position of the Mandalore, where he is the head of the clans. Except the bad news is that... Uh, yeah, Disney bought Star Wars, and they wipe all of this out. Now, 
before you go thinking that this is a Disney thing and this is all Disney's fault, it's actually not. Um, According to several interviews uh, with with Dave Filoni and and George Lucas himself, and and for the record, in in case anyone's unclear, Dave Filoni is is essentially George Lucas's protege. When when Dave Filoni was was getting the Clone Wars series off the ground, uh, there was a ton of input coming in from George Lucas about what he wanted certain things to be like. Because I, I think they viewed the Clone Wars as a way to kind of set the record straight on certain aspects of the Star Wars universe, which is 100% George Lucas's prerogative. You know, as much as I love that Karen Travis series with Boba Fett and the Mandalorians and, and everything that, that she created and, and, and brought to the Star Wars universe, um, and as, as upset as I was that it was just so casually swept to the side, it it's still George Lucas's story, in my opinion, um, for better or for worse. And if he's like, no, that's not how it's supposed to be, I sort of kind of have to defer to the guy because it is his creation after all. So so Disney buys buys Lucasfilm. They sweep that old continuity away. And our, 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 again, what I've mentioned before, our first big indication of what Star Wars canon is going to be is that Star Wars Rebel show. That now, I'm sorry, not Rebels, uh, Star Wars Clone Wars, which you can now find on Disney+. Plus. If you're watching The Mandalorian, you might as well watch Star Wars The Clone Wars, and you can find all this stuff out and, and watch these episodes. And they do quite a number of things to show us that Jango was, and Boba Fett is, very far removed from Mandalore, and not to be considered Mandalorians. Now, there's a lot of hints and a lot of vagueness still, but the, the main implication is that, that Jango Fett basically stole his armor. And, by extension, when the time comes and Boba Fett's a full, fully grown adult male, he steals his armor as well. Or at the very least, they both have forged their own that is identical in look to the traditional Mandalorian armor. Now, I've, I've done a little deep dive into some of the Star Wars archives material for what is considered canon and what is not, and there are some inconsistencies in, that, in those articles that I read. Um, one, of the in- main, one of the big main inconsistencies is that all Mandalorian armor is made from Beskar. That doesn't seem to jive with... A, what we've seen on The Mandalorian, but B, what we also can probably infer from the events of The Mandalorian and a little bit of, of continuity that we gleaned from Star Wars The Clone Wars and from Star Wars Rebels. Uh, the Imperial occupation would have prevented the mining of Besker for Mandalorians. They would have been taking that material for themselves. So any Mandalorian who wants to, to forge their own armor is doing it from material that is less than Beskar, which is what Boba Fett and Jango Fett's armors are made from. They are made from Durasteel, which is still a very strong metal, but as you've, you know, you've noticed from Boba Fett, I mean, his armor is, is battle-tested, and it shows, especially on the chest piece and the big dent on the left side of his helmet. Uh, according to, mytho- the obviously, according to Star Wars lore, Beskar would not take that kind of damage. 
uh, it would repel all that damage. Duracell is still very, very strong. And it, obviously, he's much stronger than the Stormtrooper armor, who, I mean, I don't even know why they bother. Those guys just get blasted right through the chest, and they're, it's over. Hope you had fun wearing that white stupid armor, dum-dums. So, it gets a little tricky. Like I said, this is all a little complicated. It's a little much. So, Bo Django and Boba, by extension, are sort of Mandalorian pretenders according to the current canon of the Star Wars universe. Did they kill and steal armor? Did they forge their own armor? It, uh, it, it's unclear at this point. Um, it seems to be what they're trying to do is they're trying to play with the fact that, listen, here on this Mandalorian show, we're showing you the true way of the Mandalores. And it does kind of jive with what we've seen from Clone Wars and from Rebels, with the exception of the helmet removal. They all freely remove their helmets on Clone Wars and Rebels. Sorry. That's just that's just a fact. What I do think this does is, while it does separate Boba Fett from the Mandalorian legacy that we assumed he had, it does kind of put his Boba Fett's code into a better context when compared to what we've seen from our Mando on the Mandalorian. You know, our Mando does seem to have a higher code of ethics over over profit, over money. Um, he seems to be bettering the situation for his people. Uh, Boba Fett is clearly a man about his reputation, his, his bank account, and just being a general badass overall, answering to no one except himself. And I think that leads to an interesting situation, particularly in light of the way the last episode of The Mandalorian ended with those mysterious, the mysterious cape, the mysterious boots on the ground uh, looking at the body of Fennec Shand. Is this going to be the chance where... Is this, will, will this be the time where we see a, a post-Return of the Jedi Boba Fett enter the fray and we start to find out just how different he is from the Mandalorian that we've gotten to know with these last five five episodes. Um, it seems like really rich ground to explore because, I mean, let's be honest, like, like I said at the beginning of the show, the reason why so many of us are interested in the Mandalores in general is because of Boba Fett, who's not even a Mandalorian by the, by the definitions established in the new canon. Um, so it will be interesting to see how our Mando reacts to Boba Fett and how Boba Fett treats that Mandalorian. Is he really not part of their culture? Again, even in canon, Jango Fett was part of the Mandalorian star system in, in, on a planet of which they were inhabitants, but apparently not part of the main crew. So it's... it's Again, we've, we've talked about on, on previous episodes reviewing The Mandalorian. We need to start getting some better answers because, at least from my perspective as someone who knows the old and someone who knows the new, it would be nice to get some clarification on, on certain points for the, for, the, for the series, for the characters in general. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I kind of, for a long time, I, I rubbed up against the, the notion that Boba Fett was not a Mandalorian. That really uh, bugged me. 
And I think for a long time it was because I really enjoyed the Expanded Universe canon where they kind of brought him back to the fold. And he was, like I said, he was sort of this wayward child of Mandalore who eventually came back to Mandalore to help them rise up and to, and to kind of regain status in the Star Wars galaxy. Um, I did really, really like that aspect of the character. But that character, that version of the character had an intrinsic root, an intrinsic tie to the culture. This new canon, this, this, this post-Disney canon, doesn't seem to be a, a, a thing for Boba Fett. It does not seem to be part of his makeup. You know, he seems to be, again, he's fueled by the loss of his father, and the desire to be like his father. His father, Django, was reputed to be the most well-known, most lethal, most dangerous bounty hunter in the galaxy. And, and that's what Boba wants for himself. So he's very into Boba. Boba's for Boba. I get that. It, it, it makes a certain amount of sense for a bounty hunter character to be of that kind of even grayer morality than what we've seen on this show previously. So what does it mean for what's going to go forward? You know, I don't know, because we don't know if that's actually what's going to happen on The Mandalorian. This is all speculation on our parts as fans, which has been the, one of the fun parts of the show. It's like, you know what? It would be kind of cool to see Armando square off against Boba Fett. Though, to be perfectly frank, I've talked about it on the show previously. I've not been all that impressed by some of our Mandalorian's uh, decision-making and uh, his combat prowess. I think Boba Fett might hand him his ass. But then again, Boba Fett also got a uh, gaffy stick to the back of his rocket pack, slammed into the side of a sail barge, and fell into a sarlacc pit. So what the fuck do I know about Boba Fett's fighting prowess? <laughs> I but I, I wanted to come on the show and, and, and do the special little supplemental because, there, like I said, it's, it's ironic that so many Star Wars fans are fueled by the notion, the idea of what a Mandalorian is because of Boba Fett. And according to George Lucas, according to Dave Filoni, and according to the new canon, which is established post-Disney, he's not. Not even close. They, uh, they have completely distanced themselves from Boba Fett. The, the, even the notion that Boba Fett's even casually connected to the Mandalore people, the Mandalore culture. Um, and it makes for an interesting conundrum to kind of see how they're going to crack that nut if that's what they're even doing. Again, this is an entire podcast episode that's based on pure speculation, which is not something I do often, um, but I felt that in this instance, it bared a little further exploration. Um, and again, as, as someone who is a big Boba Fett fan. I, I cannot hide my my love for Boba Fett. In the in in my little uh, man cave room, I have a uh, autographed Boba Fett eight by ten signed by Jeremy Bullock, the actor who was in the suit for Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. I have been a big fan for a long time of Boba Fett. I have his original Kenner action figure on my bookshelf. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a. I think for a long time I was kind of in denial about the fact that they were changing the history and making him not a Mandalorian because, as I said, those Karen Travis novels, uh, they're spectacular. Their exploration of Boba Fett, his legacy, his history, 
are are fantastic and she she did a killer job of reconnecting the Star Wars base with kind of like their fallen hero because for some reason Boba Fett didn't get a lot of he didn't get a ton of exposure in the expanded universe canon um but maybe that's just because they're waiting for the right writer to come along and and tell the tales of Boba Fett and his um his rise within the Mandalorian culture, his rise to the head, to being the Mandalore, to uniting the, the to uniting the clans, retaking the planet, uh, the discovery of the new Besker mines, the new Besker veins on Mandalore that, that helped them rise to prominence again. And then uh, Boba Fett's own personal backstory where you, you, where you find out about his failed relationships uh, the daughter that he never knew, and the, then the granddaughter who would track him down and, and, and attempt to kill him at a certain point. Um, th- these were fantastic stories. And I, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, I was a little uh, bummed when when they were just tossed aside like so much uh, unwanted refuse. It was, a, it, was a, it was a hard pill for me to swallow because I was very invested in that story. And as I mentioned before, um, when we talk about that story, those th- th- that series never even got a proper ending because of the Disney deal. So we never even really know how that, how those characters, Boba, Boba included, were to wind up because we just never got there, and it was a real bummer. But you know, slowly but surely, like we talked about too, elements of that old continuity are starting to creep into the new Star Wars continuity. So. Maybe there will be some carryover. Maybe there will be more ground to to play on that is familiar to a person like me who's read all these books, who grew up reading all these books, and uh, invested countless rides on the DC Metro, uh, just sitting there reading page after page of uh, these Star Wars stories. I don't know for sure. Uh, I, I I they seem to be doing a nice job of cherry picking the right moments of the old continuity to bring into the new continuity. We'll see what they do here. We will see. And if if it does pan out that our Mando on The Mandalorian is going to have to face off against Boba Fett, he's going to have his hands full. I have no doubt about that. Again, I would be a little surprised if it, if it did turn out to be Boba Fett, at least at this point in the series. It does seem early. But perhaps they're setting up what the main crux of season two will be by this. You know, maybe we don't actually see Boba Fett until the end, until like the final shot of season one or something along those lines. It's it's hard to say for sure with any kind of confidence at this point. Um, but um, but but it'd be good news. It would be good news. Again, if I were to have one main complaint about this epi- about the Mandalorian in general as a show, is that the plot is a little light. Bring in some Boba Fett. Bring in some some stuff that can add some complexity, some more layers to the story, as opposed to just like we're gonna hop from planet to planet this week uh, and try to keep Baby Yoda safe. It's 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 like watching episodes of The Incredible Hulk all over again. It's just like oh, Bruce Banner's going from town to town, and luckily in the last ten minutes, the Hulk will show up to save the day. Okay, it's not quite that thin, but you know what I mean. Uh, a little bit more depth, a little bit more complexity. It's not gonna be a bad thing for the show. Adding a character like Boba Fett, especially as like a recurring kind of, uh, I don't want to say villain necessarily, but as a, as a force, could be a, could be a nice a nice thing, could be a nice welcome change to the dynamic of the show. 
especially if they decide to, to play up any kind of you know Mandalorian connection or whether the Mandalorian's like offended by both that a, a pretender who's wearing their armor or perhaps he knows whose armor he stole or or is just you know I th- th- there's avenues to go down there there's a lot of storytelling potential here and I would love to see them uh, kind of play that up if they do and it happen to bring back the Fett and as we've established we're all fans of the Fett on this podcast I feel like I, I feel like I covered the main points I wanted to talk about so I think we're going to end up wrapping up this little mini Boba Fett debate episode of the Tomcast podcast the Boba Fett debate edition uh Feel free to hit me up with your thoughts. You know, you can follow the show on social media and, and DM me at me, bro, at Tomcast underscore podcast on Twitter, at the Tomcast underscore podcast on Instagram. You can email TomcastPopcast at gmail.com. Hey, join us on Pophead Nation too, patreon.com forward slash Tomcast Popcast. And um, you know, subscribe. Make sure you're subscribing to the show. Tell your friends about us. Five star reviews, all that good stuff. It goes a long way, helps us all out a ton. Big shout-out to my current Patreons, uh, the Aspinel Chody and Brian Broussard, the Squidmaster General himself. Uh, he's pr- Brian was probably expecting me to drop the Watchmen episode, but I wanted to do this first because of all my technical difficulties with uh, the show today. I felt like I could knock out the Boba Fett episode a little bit faster. So the, the Watchmen episode will, will be dropping by the end of the week. I promise. I promise, promise, promise. All right, so with that in mind, Boba Fett, not a Mandalorian, our Mando is a Mandalorian, and uh, maybe they're on a collision course. Maybe they are on a collision course for each other, and Baby Yoda is in the middle. But Baby Yoda is Baby Yoda, and Baby Yoda is all. Baby Yoda is everything. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. And with that, this is the TomCast Podcast. My name is Tom. Ciao, babes. He's no good to me dead. Hey, so so there it is. That is is the, the Boba Fett debate from my original podcast back in January of last year where we sort of explored the old canon versus the new canon and where Boba Fett stands in it, which I think we can all agree is not uh, not a lot known about where he stands, you know, as, as we sort of speculated in last week's episode when we re-revisited the Gunslinger episode. Is is the character at the end of that episode who finds who comes across the body of Fennec Shand, is that Boba Fett, or is it the character uh, who is alluded to in the Star Wars aftermath novels, the Cobb Vanth character, who rumors again uh, will be played by Timothy Oliphant in season two of The Mandalorian? Uh, we you know we just don't know, but rumors also continue to swirl that Tamora Morrison is coming back to reprise the role of Boba Fett. In season two of The Mandalorian. So is that who we saw in in the, the boots and the cape? It who's to say, I suspect if 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 Boba Fett's old continuity has anything anything to to do with with, with where he stands now, I bet it wouldn't be wouldn't wouldn't uh I wouldn't be too surprised to see if it if it stays mysterious and a little uh, uh complicated as as you know, we, we sort of talked about the Jodo cast character who existed for a while and, and who um, sort of became a scapegoat for a not a sort of buffoonish 
Boba Fett. <laughs> and, he, and he turned out, you know, according to the real Boba Fett, he was uh, simply an imposter, and Boba Fett did away with him so that he could resume his badass ways and become the legendary bounty hunter that, that we all know and love. And and again, I need to re- I need to emphasize something that I don't think I talked about too much in the in the first episode is uh, I am a Boba Fett fanatic. Uh, this was a character that I became completely obsessed with after uh, in in mo- more specifically in my teenage years. You know, the Star Wars trilogy, the original the original ones four, five, and six had been on VHS for a while. They had been out. Uh, I I had seen all of them seven thousand times by this point. And Boba Fett was sort of like this, this dark character living in the gray of the Star Wars universe. In that, is you know, in in the Star Wars underworld that Bo- that Han Solo was part of, that Jabba Jabba the Hutt was part of, and again, the armor, the helmet, the T visor that is that is the logo of this podcast. Uh, it was all so cool, and 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 just struck such a chord with me that I became completely obsessed with anything uh, Mandalorian. Boba Fett related again. Boba Fett again, maybe not a Mandalorian in the new canon. I guess we'll have to see how that's explored. But that's what kind of got me interested in the Mandalorians to begin with. Was Boba Fett? He was sort of that entry point into these people, and uh, Boba Fett was the entry entry point for me into exploring more of the Star Wars uh, universe, whether it was in the role playing games or in the comic books and stuff like that. Like when 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 I was reading that Star Wars Dark, Dark uh, the Dark Horse comic book series, Dark Empire. And I think it was issue four. And you see like, Boba Fett's on the cover. So it kind of spoils the surprise on the inside. Uh, but when Han and Leia and Chewbacca encounter Boba Fett for the first time in that comic book, and they're like, wait, we thought you were dead. And he, he quips you know, that the Sarlacc found him somewhat indigestible. Uh, you know, that's just this, that's the stuff that like, resonated with a teenage Tom and, and, and really sunk its its teeth into me and I, I became a, a I, and, and still am a big fan of Boba Fett but again as I also insinuated I'm not alone in that there's millions of us who are obsessed with Boba Fett and and Boba Fett again was our entry point into the Mandalorians into wanting to explore and know more about that culture about that people and you know perhaps like myself people were a bit jilted when Disney swept in and and brushed aside that expanded universe canon that we all became uh, so so deeply in love with, or perhaps we didn't be, we weren't in love with it, so we were glad when it was swept away. But but again, that was information that was kind of sustaining us for a really long time, um, and it got us to where we are. You know, it got us fans excited about about Star Wars in a way, and about a character who was sort of tertiary. I mean, it, 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 and that's even a bit generous for a character whose screen time was probably less than 10 minutes across three movies until the prequels, which again, he features more prominently in, but not in the way that a, a lot of us hardcore nerds were, were, were led to believe initially of the role of the Mandalorians in the Clone Wars and their battle against the Jedi and the Republic. But again, that's again that's George Lucas's prerogative. It's his story, and that's totally fine. If, if the role the Mandalorians have to have to play is that they're the basis of the clone army for the Republic. Okay, cool. I'm okay with that too. Again, we got so many great stories, so many exciting adventures out of that, that it was totally worth it. Totally worth it. And I guess this episode is really just a long-winded way of saying that we don't really know where we are with Boba Fett in the new canon. But it looks like, it seems like, if the rumors are to be believed, whether it's through Timothy Oliphant as Cobb Vanth, uh, as an imp- another Boba Fett imposter in his armor, whether it's it's 
Tamora Morrison, Tamora Morris, Tamara Morrison, Jesus, returning as Boba Fett. Uh, actually, to play Boba Fett for the first time, to be perfectly honest, I, I you know I know he does the voiceovers in the re-edits of the original trilogy, but I believe this would be the first time donning the Boba Fett armor as opposed to when he donned the Jango Fett armor in Attack of the Clones. You know, it looks like we're going to start to get some answers about where Boba's been, what Boba's doing, his connection to the Mandalorians, his connection to the Mandalorian, to Din Djarin, if there is one, uh, you know, connection to the armorer. I mean, the, the the whole thing is just, it's just green with potential. It's so ripe that you just want to bite into it because that, that is a juicy, juicy melon to be explored and to be savored by Star Wars fans and particularly fans like myself who are fans of Boba Fett, fans of the Fett, fans of the Mandalorians, fans of the Mandalorian culture, uh, all of us Bucketheads. Uh, are, are, I think we have a lot to look forward to on, on Season 2 of The Mandalorian. And, you know, as you've listened to me review, re-reviewing these, these early episodes of Season 1 of The Mandalorian, one of my gripes was that it's a little, it's a little light. You know, there's not a, a, a great amount of depth to some of the stories. Again, looking back now, you can tell that's done by design. You can tell that's done to be an entry point for new fans. And Star Wars should always be accessible to new fans. And I think that was something that I was aware of, but I don't think I was quite processing as I was reviewing the shows initially. Star Wars always needs to be accessible for a new generation. That's how Star Wars is going to live forever. It's how it's going to live past all of us. It's by always having new fans come on board. By always being able to be accessible to new fans. Where you don't have to be inundated with 30, 40 years of, of, of past history. That's probably the biggest blessing of Disney coming aboard and and wiping away that old that old continuity. You know, maybe it bothered me and, and a bunch of people my age, uh, but it simplified Star Wars in in a, in a dramatic way for new generations of fans to come in, watch the movies, watch the the new series that will be on Disney Plus, and explore the comic books and the new novels that were coming out. And uh, you know, you've noticed the novels come out much fewer, much there's much more space between them. It's much more approachable, easy to digest. And they play around with the eras, which is also important too. So you can kind of pick your favorite era of Star Wars and, and focus on that if you want. Uh, again, I'm just kind of rambling now at this point because it's Star Wars. It's one of my, it's my favorite thing on the on the wor- in the in the world. On the world, in the world, around the world. I love me, that's Star Wars. And the sweet, sweet Mandalorians. And in particular, again, Boba Fett. I have an 8x10, signed by Jeremy Bullock, on the wall, right by my little recording area here in the Tom Cave. And and again, I can't emphasize enough how much Boba Fett means to me, how much the Mandalorians mean to me, which is why I do this podcast. So hopefully this has provided a, a little bit of illumination for anyone curious about Boba Fett and his, his stance in, in this new canon, like where we might find Boba Fett. And odds are we're going to find him probably roughly where we left him, which is uh, somewhere on Tatooine after being spit out of the Sarlacc pit. And I can't wait to see where we pick up from there. And I can't wait to see how we integrate him into the Mandalorian's story. Is he friend, foe, nemesis, neither, either, both? I can't wait to find out. You know, this... this I, I, I've been singing the praises of Jon Favreau and, and Dave Filoni for a long time. And... I suspect I will continue to do so unless they do something just completely egregious in season two. But the odds of that are very, 
very slim. All right, so with that, I'm going to wrap it up because, like I said, I, I've, I think I've talked almost more in the opening and closing segments than I did in the entire middle podcast, uh, which was recorded back in December, for God's sake. So that being said, I want everyone. To, I want to thank everyone for listening to this Star Wars, this small Star Wars, excuse me, this small independent Star Wars podcast that we call Mando Vision. We are part of the 3BZ Network of Podcasts. You can also listen to me on the TomCast podcast, which covers a wide swath of the pop culture world. And our, 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 our primary show, Beer Night in San Diego, covering the San Diego beer scene and all the goodies that come along with that. Uh, please take a time to check us out and, and give us support and love. And follow this show on the social media, Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. If you need to email me, do so at TomCastPopCast at gmail.com. I'm keeping just one email. It's, I can't have 47 email addresses. It's just not going to work out for me. I only check a couple of them at a time. Anyways, I hope everyone stays safe. I hope everyone's having a great, had a great weekend. And uh, we're, we're, we're into October now. The countdown has begun to season two of The Mandalorian. So we're going to close at the show as we always close at the show. So remember, this is the way. Thank you for meeting with me, Prime Minister Almack. I welcome you as a servant of the people, but I am troubled by the false rumors that brought you here. Mandalore would never turn against the Republic. The Duchess Satine values peace more than her own life. Oh, I'm aware of the Duchess's views. Master Kenobi, Mandalore's violent past is behind us. All of our warriors were exiled to our moon, Concordia. They died out years ago. Hmm. Are you certain? I recently encountered a man who wore Mandalorian armor. Jango Fett. Jango Fett was a common bounty hunter. How he acquired that armor is beyond me. 